I was watching the two most recent Jordan Peterson videos, I think, released through the Daily Wire, one of which he goes on this 14-minute rant about why he will not remove the offending post that got him banned from Twitter, which is a post where he called the person who refers to themselves as Elliot Page, Ellen Page. I think that was the offending statement. And the other video is the one of him actually being introduced on stage at the Daily Wire convention or whatever. And they're revealing that they've got him for Daily Wire Plus. And he comes out to rapturous applause. And I don't know if it's actually a standing ovation, but they just keep cheering and screaming like he's a rock star. And he's got this goofy, humble little grin on his face. He's kind of staring at his shoes. And he goes and he sits down and he talks with Ben Shapiro for a little bit. And I'm not like a huge Jordan Peterson guy, but, you know, I've, I've watched a lot of the videos that are famous. And I read his first, well, his second book. I read his first well-known book for this very podcast. And I noticed something about all of this. Uh, let me interrupt. I should say this is Sound of Sanity. And because of vacations, because of the 4th of July, because of everything, I am... Yeah, I guess you could say we're not doing an episode. We're not doing an episode this week. But I thought I'd give you a little content. These are just the meandering thoughts of Nathan Alverson, Esquire. I realize that is no one's favorite mode of Sound of Sanity. Not my favorite mode of Sound of Sanity either. But I got some thoughts about Jordan Peterson and the abortion thing, which we haven't talked about, and some stuff like that. So if you want to listen, I will tell them to you. So in in any case, I watched these two Jordan Peterson things. And for a while now, he has felt like just a broken man to me. I mean, I followed his Twitter for a while and eventually I had to stop because he just felt like a boomer. He felt like somebody who was angry and flailing and doing the wrong thing. Not, Not because I disagreed with anything that he said necessarily, but you know, he would just do these weird things like as if he's trying for relevance and failing. There was a post that was pinned for a while where he said OMFG, which I didn't like very much. There, there, there was just a lot of stuff like that where it's like, this guy isn't actually quite connecting like he used to. He's not in control of his persona anymore. He feels angry. He feels flailing. He, he's never really come back from whatever that thing is. I don't really follow him that well, but he, he left us for a while because he was having, what, a, a medical issue or depression or something like that. Had a breakdown, basically. And now he's back. And it kind of feels like he's never really come fully back. What we're seeing is a good man, a man with a lot of good things to say. I, I don't subscribe to Daily Wire. I probably won't subscribe to Daily Wire, but I'm sure his show will have a lot of cool stuff in it. He's an interesting guy. And if I can use the silly phrase, he's a powerful cultural warrior. He's struck some blows. He's given anyone who is trying to exist in the Christian space or the conservative space a little hope. It's nice to see someone that prominent, a public intellectual, just say trans is bad, masculine is good, feminine is good, stuff like that. All the stuff that he said. And then you can hear our our larger thoughts on Jordan Peterson. If you go listen to our old ancient 
Jordan Peterson episode, but it just feels, I mean, and I don't know, I'm, I'm not a mind reader. It just as a professional people watcher, as somebody who's interested in people, looking at Jordan Peterson, it just feels like something's off, something's broken. Like this was essentially a gentleman, essentially an academic, not someone who set out to step onto the world stage, just somebody who had a little bit of courage at the right time and suddenly gets thrust into the spotlight and, and, and has never felt particularly comfortable there. Always feels like he's trying to navigate the space between his, his more sort of academic perspective and the fact that he is a rock star, the fact that young men look up to him, the fact that this Daily Wire audience is giving him cheers, like, you know, like the biggest star in the world just stepped out. You know, the fact that he is, in the best sense of the word, if there is a best sense of the word, he is a demagogue. He is a powerful influencer. He is a little bit of a rock star. But he's not somebody that set out to be a rock star, and he's not somebody that's very good at it, and he's not somebody who's very comfortable with it. You watch his videos from 10 years ago, the videos from before he even became a household name, and he's very comfortable. He's just in some dorky classroom wearing a dorky tweed jacket and saying things, and you can imagine him being the coolest, best professor that you ever had. But then you see him go out on the world stage. And in the beginning, actually, I should say, he went out on the world stage and it felt more natural because it was just like this dorky professor had been thrust into the spotlight and he was still going to be a dorky professor. But at a certain point, he had to assume the mantle of something more. And, and I think he did have to assume the mantle of something more. I'm not, I'm not saying that he didn't. But it's been tricky for him to navigate that. For Again, as, as someone who's not a Jordan Peterson expert, who's just kind of checked in on him over the years and followed him on Twitter for a little bit. It's, it's been difficult to watch because he doesn't quite know how to play to the audience. And it feels like he's in some ways an angry man and a bitter man and a broken man, an idealist and someone who is just truly pained by what's happening in Canada, what's happening in his culture, what's happening in culture at large someone who feels it acutely, so acutely that maybe he shouldn't have been pushed into doing what he's doing. Maybe he shouldn't have let himself take the stage because it seems like, you know, to use his kind of language, it takes a psychic toll. It, it, it wearies him. There are other people who are more robust, who are better at addressing an audience, who are better at being whatever Jordan Peterson has become. But they didn't become Jordan Peterson. Jordan Peterson became Jordan Peterson. So I, I don't know that it's anybody's fault. I don't know that he shouldn't have, that he should have done anything different. But he, he just feels like a very angry, a very broken man, and a man not entirely in control of himself, not entirely in control of his image, not entirely. It's like what I don't know how to explain this. This is why I keep kind of repeating myself. But it's like you see somebody and they communicate exactly what they mean to communicate. That's one type of person that you see. Another type of person you see is someone who communicates not what they mean to communicate. And, and they may communicate something good. They may be very powerful. It, it may still work in a way, or it may not work in the way that they intended, but work in some other way that really, really, really works. You know, it's the difference between Tom Cruise now, 
Tom Cruise doing the promotional tour for Top Gun Maverick and Tom Cruise from 10, 20 years ago when he ended up looking pretty bad. Tom Cruise now has battened down the hatches. He's very much in control of his image and he does a good job. Tom Cruise never makes an appearance and doesn't communicate exactly what he means to communicate. What he means to communicate may be shallow, it may be trite, it may be profound. I don't know what it is, but whatever it is, he does it well. He's in control of his own image and in control of his own being. And you always receive the message that he means for you to receive. You compare that to Tom Cruise jumping on Oprah's couch, Tom Cruise revealing too much about Scientology, Tom Cruise really trying to press to advocate for Scientology. It's like, here is a man who is used to communicating a certain thing, who means to communicate a certain thing, but what he's communicating, what the audience is actually receiving is a completely different signal than the one he's putting out. And he's not in control of it. And you can watch him flail around and try and control it. Or you can watch him be very smug and comfortable and think he's controlling it. But in both cases, he's not. Jordan Peterson now feels a little bit more like that. I hope that's not always the case. I, I, I hope that he gets control of it. But the other thing that I have to imagine in my imagined version of Jordan Peterson, again, I'm, I'm not a mind reader and I'm not a huge follower of the man, but I have to imagine it's driven him a little mad to be so close to the gospel, to be so close to God and not to just take the plunge and, and to be a man who talks about original sin, who talks about redemption, who talks about the story, story <clears throat> excuse me, talks about the story of Adam and Eve, talks about the story of Jesus understands them to be profound, influential, mythological bedrocks to society and bedrocks to the way that we live, but, but does not understand them to be literal truths that you have to be anchored in by faith and that you have to have a relationship with God. To be so close and yet so far away is a very weird space to exist in. And, and I have to imagine that as a little part of what, or maybe a major part of what has driven the man mad. And it's what makes, made, makes me sad for the man. I actually teared up a little bit watching those videos yesterday because uh, this is a man who's not in control. This is a man who desperately wants to be in control. This is a man who has taught other people how to take more control of their lives, but he obviously is flailing a little bit. And it just made me sad the state of his faith, because I don't think if we're being honest, and I know there are videos out there where he talks about God or says this or that, but I, I don't think if we're being honest, we could say he's a Christian. And just imagine getting to the judgment say, day and, and saying, Lord, Lord, did I not cast out demons in your name? I mean, that's Jordan Peterson. He has been casting out demons, the demon of wokeism, the demon of uh, trans rights, the demon of LGBT, whatever. Jordan Peterson is a man who has fought great, valiant fights in the name of, of goodness and truth and beauty and all that, and has done great things even for the kingdom of God in his humble little way, and has had some humility and some self-awareness about it, which is an even greater thing. And, and yet imagine saying, did I not cast out this demon in your name? And, and being told from the judgment throne of eternity, get away from me. I never knew thee. It's sad. It's sad. And I hope that Jordan Peterson does become a Christian. And I never do this. I, I never pray for public figures or very rarely. I suppose everybody's probably done it once or twice, but I did say a little prayer that 
he would become a Christian. I'd love to see that. I think many people would love to see that. I imagine a lot of people have have prayed for him over the years. Now, I said I was going to talk about the abortion thing. What does that have to do with any of this? Well, it just got me thinking about culture wars and culture warriors and people who are valiant in fighting culture wars. And I do not want to come down on anyone who has fought to defy Moloch. I am so happy with the Supreme Court's decision on Roe versus Wade. I think the Gospel Coalition saying now's not the time to celebrate is just wicked. I think all the people who have said, well, let's not rub it in the face of people who are sad that they can't murder their babies anymore are, are, are very foolish. I don't have a lot of sympathy for that. I do understand there's a lot of people, a lot of people on the pro-abortion side who have been lied to their whole lives. I understand that there is real confusion about ectopic pregnancies and stuff like that out there. Uh, But also, of course, we celebrate when a blow is struck to Moloch, the baby devouring monster. Of course, we are happy. And of course, we are okay wearing that happiness, (laughs) sharing it with the world, sharing it with our neighbors. Of course, it's never wrong to celebrate when a blow is struck to a demon. It's just not. It's just not. And I'm glad for those people who have protested at Planned Parenthood over the years. I've done very little of that. I'm glad for the people who have maneuvered in a smart way politically to get things done. I'm glad for all the work. I think, you know, I don't want to talk about abolition versus incrementalists, but I think to quote George Lucas, there are heroes on both sides. And I'm sorry if that statement offends somebody out there, but of course we need people to be zealous in fighting the monster. And of course, we need people to be smart in fighting the monster. And of course, some people lose their zeal and their desire to be smart. And of course, some people are idiots in their heedless zeal. That's the way of all battles, and it just shouldn't surprise us. And we shouldn't be too judgmental if if someone we think is trying to do the right thing by God's grace with faith, but is erring a little bit in heedlessness or erring a little bit in wisdom. So, I am not comparing every culture warrior to Jordan Peterson, and I am not saying that we should not fight culture wars, and I am not saying we should not celebrate the victory that we had in a culture war. Many hundreds, many thousands of lives will be saved because of what our Supreme Court did. It's a wonderful thing. Our country will have a little less blood on our, its hands. It's a wonderful thing. What a joy. What a joy. And the people who say we shouldn't celebrate, that we, that we need to be kind to our neighbors and express no joy in this are, are not helpful. And the people who say, well, you realize a lot of babies are still going to die. You, you realize that actually it's chemical abortion. It's not surgical abortion. Surgical abortions really hasn't been the front for a long time. The, it's chemical abortions. It's plan B. It's pills. The, the, the worst abortuaries are actually pharmacies. Uh, that's a point worth making and a very good point. But also, we can still celebrate this. Lives will still be saved. And it is a wonderful step. And it's a wonderful step for freedom. And it's a wonderful step for our country working the way that it should and all this kind of stuff. Now, that being said, 
watching Jordan Peterson and how broken he is, at least in my perception, I just thought it's a good warning not to be broken on the spokes of the culture wars. You don't want to be somebody who says to God when you come before the judgment throne, did I not cast out abortion in your name? Did I not cast out feminism in your name? And then have God say, get away from me. I never knew you. You do not want to be that person. You do not want to live your life like that person. It doesn't mean we can't take real action steps towards fighting for what God's truth is, towards stamping out evil. It doesn't mean that can't be a large part of some of our lives. If that's the work that God has called us to, it doesn't mean you can never make a tweet that says abortion is bad or feminism is bad or whatever. But you do, in a non-gospel coalition-y sort of a way, you do need to remember that your identity is in Christ and that God has already won. Christ won. He died. He was resurrected. And now all powers and principalities are under his boot heel. That is the gospel, right? Or, or a major part of it, at least. Sin, death, and all the worldly powers, all the demonic powers, lose. And so, even as we fight these battles, we have to hold them loosely. Even as we celebrate, in a sense, we have to hold that celebration a little bit loosely. Our identity can't be so bound up with this stuff that it is the primary and only reason for our existence. And I don't want anybody to say, oh, so you're just being the gospel coalition and saying, you know, what you're really preaching is just a bland kind of mushy pacifism that says never fight. And you want to make anyone who's ever had any zeal feel bad. No, I don't want to make. I, I, I really, I think we should have more zeal. I appreciate the zeal of young men. Sometimes it can be a little obnoxious in this or that specific case, but I think God gave young men zeal and that's a wonderful thing. Something that old men and men who are like me sort of going into creeping up on middle age, we don't, we don't need to tamp it down and destroy it. We just need to cultivate it and prune it and discipline it, chant it a little, a little bit. But we, we, we don't need to tell people not to have zeal. I'm not telling anyone to have zeal. What I'm saying is let's care deeply about our nation. Let's hate sin. Let's fight sin on a personal level and on a grand cultural level. But let's remember that Jesus was the ultimate cultural warrior and he won. He killed the dragon. The dragon is already basically dead. It's bleeding out. The demons lose. They tremble. It's all over. It's already all over. Doesn't mean there's not lots of work for us to do. There is lots of work for us to do, but it has to be done with that attitude. It has to be held loosely. You can't be so wrapped up in it that if it doesn't get go your way, you get broken, as Jordan Peterson seems to be. Or, or, or you're just so worn down by the fight because it's like, if I, me, Bob Smith in Evansville, Indiana, if I don't win, then either God is not with me or I've, I've failed miserably. No. Maybe you're just the soldier who gets shot <laughs> in the first reel of the movie, you know, the charge. 
the the Rohirrim or charging towards the orcs or whatever. You're the guy in the background that gets knocked off his horse in the first wave. Uh, that that guy helped win the battle too, but you know, probably didn't feel like it. The battle was still won though. So so there's a sense in which we have to hold these things loosely, e- even as we have great joy and victory, and even as we hate sin. A good verse for this is Psalm 131, a song of a sense of David. Oh Lord, my heart is not lifted up. My eyes are not raised too high. I do not occupy myself with things too great and too marvelous for me, but I have calmed and quieted my soul like a weaned child with its mother, like a weaned child is my soul within me. Oh Israel, hope in the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. That's David. He's the king. It is his job to care about the nation. This is his job to personify and exemplify the nation. And, and more so than it will ever be your job, whoever you are. And it's even more his job because he's one of the great kings. He is a type of Christ. I mean, if it's anybody's job to be wrapped up in the doings of the nation, in the doings of society and culture, it's David. And yet he says, oh, Israel, hope in the Lord for this time forth and forevermore. And he asks God to not make him proud, to not make him preoccupy himself with things that are too great for him, too marvelous for him, but to calm and quiet his soul like a a weaned child with its mother. And I think we have to bring a little bit of that attitude. If Jordan Peterson was a Christian, and if he could just bring a little bit of that attitude, just a, a dash, a sprinkling of it, oh, the culture warrior he would be. He'd be 10 times as powerful. His every sword thrust would kill 10 more vile demons. You know, it's not that we don't fight. It's not that we don't care. It's not that we don't love and hate things in this world. We very much do. But but I think there is a, a sense in which we have to hold it a little bit loosely and not make an idol out of it. And I don't know. It's an art, not a science. If If you're just at the place in your life where you need to care deeply about these things and, and, and nuance only confuses you, then I, I don't want to despise you for that, actually. Go, fight, win. We'll talk in 10 years. Maybe this is a middle-aged kind of a discussion we're having, actually. Maybe it's not for young people. And I don't mean to insult young people by that. I, I don't know. I'm thinking it'd be interesting. You know, now I've gone almost a half an hour. Jake and Ben aren't here to push back or to improve. And that's, that's why I don't do these things by myself. But I thought I had a couple minutes worth of thoughts to give you something. And now we, we've gone a half an hour. So maybe you can help me improve this. Maybe, maybe you can, if I'm not quite, if it sounds on the one hand, like I'm saying be zealous and you're like, okay, well, how do I do that and hold things loosely? And, and then on the other hand, when I say, uh, hold things loosely well you know what you want me to split the difference no i don't want you to split the difference i just want you to do the right thing by faith with faith with with a kind of christian pragmatism if i can use that phrase which we always use on this podcast but i'm always uncomfortable with it because pragmatism has the sense of machiavellianism the sense of doing the wrong thing for the right ends but that's not what we're talking about we're not talking about necessary evil or anything like that We're, we're, we're just talking about trying to live by faith trying to kind of exist in the tension of the different things without, without falling into the faithless, godless gospel coalition uh, who, who, who just wants to mock and, and belittle and make people feel bad for 
being happy or for wanting to witness boldly against sin. Uh, I, I have no more patience for them. We, we don't want to fall into them. We also don't want to become Jordan Peterson, someone who's apparently, in, in my judgment, been so wrapped up and become so identified with a certain kind of culture war that he's broken. You know, maybe another way to say it is you have to trust God to actually get the victory because if you feel like it's incumbent upon you to strike the blow and you're a sinner and you're a failure and you're miserable and you're weak and you get tired, well, <laughs> you're going to have a pretty sad life. You're going to have a pretty sad life. There has to be a place to say, okay, I've done enough. I'm going to bed. There's nothing else I can do. It's in God's hands. It's in God's hands. God's hands. Okay. That's your sound of sanity for today. Hope it was helpful. Hope it was helpful. Maybe Jake and Ben will come back with more thoughts on the subject, but uh, I am very pleased. And I know Jake and Ben and Sound of Sanity and Church of the King and Evangel Presbytery were also pleased about the Roe versus Wade, uh, the, the, the Dobbs decision, I should say. Uh, I guess I've been calling it the Roe versus Wade decision. We're not pleased about that. Hey, uh, Evangel Presbytery, the Presbytery, the Church of the King is in, that Warhorn Media comes out of, ultimately released a, a wonderful statement on abortion. I helped edit it a little bit, but it's primarily written by uh, Tim Bailey and uh, many other godly, wise men in different fields. And I'll, I'll link to it in the show notes. I, I think it's one of the best, just comprehensive things on what abortion is, what it does, what the ramifications of it are culturally, what we need to do about it, and, and what we need to do about it post-Dobbs. It does take that into account. It was written only very recently to take that into account, and we were anticipating the ruling already. Okay, thank you. Goodbye.